I knew from there I was in for something special. Just what you've been waiting for. Movies, TV, music, and more. Follow, subscribe, stay up to date. Episodes drop every other Monday. Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, this is the first episode of the new season of the Matt Watch That podcast, so welcome all newcomers, and thanks to those who have returned. To kick it off, I'm going to talk about the most anticipated movies in 2024, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I've gone ahead and categorized them a bit, but obviously some of these genres overlap. So first, we're going to talk about superheroes and spinoffs. You have Madam Web, Deadpool 3, Joker, Folia 2, or however you pronounce that, Captain America, Brave New World, Thunderbolts, Venom 3, Craven the Hunter, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, and Echo. I know a lot of people out there have superhero fatigue. I don't blame you. When I was growing up, there was one superhero movie every three years. So we didn't have time to get sick of them. But now they're coming out every other month. Hollywood certainly knows how to take a good idea and just beat it to death. With that being said, I am looking forward to Deadpool 3. It's not your standard run-of-the-mill comic book movie. And of course, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. These movies, that animation, is some of the best that I've seen in my lifetime, and they keep getting better and better and better. And you know, that cliffhanger ending really needs a resolution. Out of the reboots and remakes, we have Mean Girls, The Garfield Movie, The Fall Guy, Nosferatu, and Blade. Now, I love the fact that Hollywood is trying to hide that Mean Girls is a musical. They did the same with Wonka. No, this isn't a musical. It's your run-of-the-mill coming-of-age story. They know that musicals bomb at the box office. The unknowing audience buys their ticket, gets to the theater, sits down with their popcorn and soda in hand, and the movie starts. That's so fetch! That's so fetch! And everyone in the theater is like, what the hell is this crap? But by then, you've already spent your money. So they try and hide it, like that degenerate family member you don't talk about. But out of all those movies, I think I'm looking forward to Blade most. That's a really solid character, and I really enjoyed the original movies. Now, on to sequels. Strap in, we got a lot of them. Inside Out 2, Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Dune Part 2, Gladiator 2, Godzilla times kong the new empire is that godzilla versus kong the new empire no idea terrifier 3 beetlejuice 2 alien romulus kung fu panda 4 bad boys 4 
Twisters, with an S, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Furiosa, The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Ro-Ro-Ro-Rim-Rim, whatever the hell that word is, Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley, Mufasa, The Lion King, and Despicable Me 4. I think I'm intrigued by Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. I thought Afterlife was pretty good, taking the original cast and the lore, and mixing it with new characters played by Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, was really the right direction to go. I'm always up for an alien movie, and I'll certainly watch Romulus, but they have to inject some new blood into this series. They just keep doing the same story over and over and over again, and I think what made the Xenomorph frightening is no longer applicable, so they have to do something to bring that terror back. And of course, Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. I just rewatched the original, such a funny movie, and I did get some goosebumps when I heard the Axel Foley theme in the trailer, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. And last, we have original movies. Damsel, Imaginary, Arthur the King, Argyle, The Beekeeper, Wicked, and Borderlands. This is a mixed bag for me. I've never seen Wicked the Musical on Broadway, but I've listened to the cast recording and know it backwards and forwards. So that one's high on my list. And even though Argyle has a stupid name, it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, and I'm a big fan of his from Kingsman. And this one is very much in the same vein in action comedy, so it has a lot of potential. What are some of the movies being released in 2024 that you're looking forward to? Hit me up on social using the hashtag MattWatchThat. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of 5 stars. 1 star is Skip It. 2 stars Watch at Your Own Risk. 3 stars Standard Fare. 4 stars Worth Checking Out. And 5 stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2010. It stars Michael Sarah as the titular character, best known as George Michael Bluth in the sitcom Arrested Development, he would go on to star in teen flick Superbad, Juno, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Known for offbeat, quirky roles, his most recent high-profile part was in Barbie, where he played Alan. Mary Elizabeth Winstead portrays Ramona Flowers. She started her career in television on the soap opera Passions and the short-lived werewolf drama Wolf Lake. Her first major role was in Sky High as superhero Royal Pain. She would jump back into the world of spandex as the Huntress in Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. The supporting cast features Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Alison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman, Mae Whitman, and Ellen Wong. It was directed by Edgar Wright. He was coming off the success of quirky horror comedy Shaun of the Dead and buddy cop action comedy Hot Fuzz, with frequent collaborators Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. He would go on to direct the pub crawl comedy The World's End, crime drama Baby Driver, and 1960s mystery Last Night in Soho. Next, he'll be adapting a remake of The Running Man. The screenplay was co-written by the director and Michael Bacall, who started as a child actor in episodes of Highway to Heaven, Beauty and the Beast, The Wonder Years, and movies This Boy's Life and Free Willy. He scribed comedies Project X, 21 Jump Street, and its sequel, and will be co-writing the remakes of Weird Science and The Running Man. 
Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is based on the graphic novel series created by Brian Lee O'Malley. Here's a quote without context. I have to go pee due to boredom. So let's jump into it. Scott Pilgrim is the 22-year-old bassist of the garage band Sex bob comprised of his high school friends Stephen Stills, Neil Nordegraff, and ex-girlfriend Kim Pine. He's overconfident, a little self-absorbed, yet at the same time insecure. He lives in what he calls a secret lair, across the street from the house he grew up in, with his gay roommate Wallace Wells. He's currently dating 17-year-old high school senior, Knives Chow, to the disapproval of everyone in his life, including his younger sister, Stacy, who believes she's a rebound from his ex, Envy Adams, lead singer of The Crash at Demon Head, who broke up with him after the band signed with a major label. When Scott escorts Knives to the library, he sees Ramona Flowers, an Amazon delivery employee, and is instantly smitten. He orders a package from the online retailer and asks her on a date upon arrival. She only agrees to hang out just so he signs for the package, but on their date, they go back to her apartment and hook up. He invites her to the Toronto International Battle of the Bands at the Rocket. While Sex bob is performing, Matthew Patel challenges Scott to a fight. He's the first of seven evil exes that Scott has to fight if he wants to continue to date Ramona. This is something to look out for. The stunt doubles for the character Lucas Lee are, in fact, the actual stunt doubles for Chris Evans. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is unlike any movie I've ever seen. It starts off with an 8-bit version of the Universal Studios production logo and theme. I knew from there I was in for something special. Now, normally I don't like identification graphics on screen because 8 times out of 10, it's completely unnecessary. Like, movies will show an image of the Eiffel Tower and then write Paris. Like, the audience couldn't figure that one out. But in this movie, it's part of the aesthetic. There are fantasy sequences, musical numbers, animated portions, sitcom parodies. It can probably be described as flashy. There are so many creative editing choices and transitions, clever use of special effects. If you're a comic book aficionado, gamer, or overall geek, you will find some enjoyment in this movie. I'm not sure if it'll translate to an older audience who grew up with Pong. It's definitely made for the MTV generation. Now for a little trivial trivia. The members of Sex bob rehearsed together for several weeks to convincingly play their instruments. Michael Cera was already an established musician, contributing mandolin on the Weezer song Hang On, and touring as bassist for the indie rock band Mr. Heavenly. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was filmed in Toronto, Canada, at Casa Loma, Lee's Palace, Honest Ed's, and the studios of Pinewood and Cinespace. The visual effects were created by the company Double Negative, who were also responsible for the films Dune Part 2, Furiosa, Garfield the Movie, and Godzilla Times Kong vs. Kong. I had trouble with this one before, but that movie. The cinematography was captured by Bill Pope, whose filmography includes the Sam Raimi movies Dark Man, Army of Darkness, and Spider-Man 2 and 3, the Matrix trilogy by the Wachowskis, and continued the collaboration with Edgar Wright on The World's End and Baby Driver. It was co-edited by Jonathan Amos and Paul Matchless, who worked on The Kid Who Would Be King, and the pair were nominated for Best Achievement in Film Editing for Baby Driver. The score was composed by Nigel Goodrich, who was the music video director for Beck, producer of Radiohead's breakthrough album, OK Computer, 
and Mixer on Natalie Imbruglia's album, Left of the Middle, and R.E.M.'s Up. The soundtrack featured songs by Plumtree, Frank Black, Broken Social Scene, Eric Knudsen, and T-Rex. The runtime is 1 hour 52 minutes. It had a budget of $85 million and grossed $49 million at the box office. While the studio was disappointed in its earnings and is considered a box office bomb, the reviews were enthusiastic and the film has since developed a cult following. In 2023, an animated series, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, was greenlit by Netflix with the entire main cast reprising their roles. On the Ski Index, I give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. Take off a star if you were born before 1985. Round it up to five if you enjoy video games and comic books. If you've seen Scott Pilgrim vs. The World and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Sammy Hagar recently announced on the Howard Stern Show that he's going back on the road with the Best of All Worlds Tour. He'll be joined by Van Halen bandmate Michael Anthony, Chickenfoot member and guitar virtuoso Joe Satriani, and drummer extraordinaire Jason Bonham, son of John Bonham of Led Zeppelin. The setlist will include music from Sammy's solo career, his time as lead singer of Montrose, but will mostly be a Van Halen tribute. In fact, he's extended an open invitation to Alex Van Halen, Wolfgang Van Halen, and original lead singer of Van Halen, David Lee Roth. If any of that comes to fruition, we'll see. But it certainly makes it intriguing. Now, for anyone who's listened to this podcast, you'll know that I'm a big Van Halen fan. Van Hagar, specifically. And I think it's a shame that there was no proper tribute to Eddie Van Halen, one of the greatest guitar players in the world, and definitely the most inventive. I know Wolfgang played a couple of Van Halen songs at the Taylor Hawkins tribute, but it's not enough. I think this Sammy tour is going to be the closest that we get to a proper send-off to Eddie Van Halen. So I've selected a couple of songs from the Van Halen catalog that I like. My favorite is right now, but I've posted that before. So this time around, it's going to be Mine All Mine, Dreams, and I Can't Stop Loving You. They're all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Andre the Giant. If you're new to the podcast, I grew up during the 80s wrestling boom, lived through the new generation, and survived the Monday Night Wars. My interest has definitely declined since those days, but I still keep up with industry news, and I've found that the stories behind the scenes are sometimes more engaging than what you actually see on screen. This documentary tells the story of Andre René Rusimov, who was diagnosed with gigantism due to excessive growth in his youth. He worked on his father's farm, but by the age of 18, he moved to Paris and trained to become a professional wrestler. Due to his size, he was an instant attraction, and wrestling promoters around the world wanted Monster Rusimov part of their events. The founder of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, Vincent J. McMahon, dubbed him Andre the Giant. He was initially a fan favorite and had feuds with other heavyweights. 
Killer Kowalski, Stan Hansen, Big John Studd, and Kamala. But it would be his heel turn in 1987, joining Bobby the Brain Heenan's family, that shocked the wrestling world, leading to a main event bout at WrestleMania 3 against WWF champion Hulk Hogan in front of 93,000 fans at the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan. This was the Andre the Giant I knew, but I'll be honest, outside of his height and his pure size, I never understood the hype. Whenever you see shoot interviews, people always talk about Andre being a great worker. And I understand that has a different meaning for fans than it does for other wrestlers. But every time I watched an Andre match, it was slow. It was boring. It was the same moves over and over again. But at that time, Andre was older. He had injuries. He was very limited in what he could do. So looking back on it, I have a lot of sympathy for what he was going through. And when I watched some of the matches from the 70s and early 80s, he was a completely different giant. He was so athletic in the ring, and he would take masterful bumps. I started to understand what people meant when they said he was a good worker. The 2018 documentary was directed by Jason Hare and written by Simon Pummel. As a side note, the music was composed by Thomas Caffey, younger brother of Charlotte Caffey guitarist for the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, The Go-Go's. It features WWE superstars Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, and Bobby Heenan, the Princess Bride cast, Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Rob Reiner, and Billy Crystal, and celebrities Arnold Schwarzenegger, Muhammad Ali, Bob Euchre, Andy Warhol, and Cyndi Lauper. A pop culture phenomenon, the eighth wonder of the world, there are so many tales of his generosity, his strength, and the amount of beer he could consume. There have been other big men in the industry, but Andre the Giant was truly larger than life. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me, Bab. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for all the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Muhammad Ali, Bob Uecker, Andy Warhol, and Cindy Whopper. Whopper? <laughs> Aubrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman, May Young, May Young. <laughs> no. When Scott escorts, escorts. And crime drama, Dreamy Baby. Drama Baby. <laughs>